Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. The meaning of running free is completely different for me as a white woman in Canada than it would be for, you know, Zanab in Afghanistan. There are certain freedoms we may take for granted, like the freedom to leave our house and go for a jog. The Secret Marathon tells the story of the first woman in Afghanistan to run a marathon. And it was shown at the screening room here in Kingston last Tuesday. The Secret Marathon went on to inspire the global walk and run event, the Secret 3K, which happens annually on the Wednesday of International Women's Week. I spoke with Tara Williamson, National Race Director of the Secret 3K, about the film, The Secret Marathon, and The Secret 3K Walk and Run. My conversation with her coming up. But first, while on the topic of freedoms and perhaps identity, let's talk about preserving language. I spoke with Unit Ongawana, Executive Director at Cali Hill, about a new mentor-apprentice program which teaches young learners the Mohawk language. We're here to talk about this mentor-apprentice program uh, that helps connect young learners with a first language role model uh, tell me, what are the main goals of this program? So coming into this program, the, the apprentices or the, you know, the second language speakers are coming in already at an intermediate, high or advanced, low proficiency of the language. The main goal that we're trying to, or, or result we're trying to get to, is raising their proficiency up one level, um, as per the American Council on Teaching Foreign Languages scale. So we have different scales of proficiency and we're specifically working with oral proficiency. That's uh, spoken. Yes. V verbal, yeah. Yes. Perfect, that's definitely the focus. Um, now I understand uh, the University of Toronto is involved in this program. Tell, tell me about this partnership. It's, it's a very new partnership. The one gentleman that is helping to coordinate the program is from our community, Joe Brandt. He also works in, in Toronto at the University of Toronto. He teaches there as well as a professor. And so it's, uh, it's his involvement with the U of T that has kind of brought us together. So it's really the research aspect of how the program is working if uh, the methods that we're using to increase the oral proficiency are successful and effective or not. Just see so a bit of a clearer picture. When we say young learners, is there a certain age range? It seems to be that our young learners right now are in their early 20s, um, early to mid 20s, and then up into, I mean, even up into the 40s, really. So these are people who have probably spoken English uh, their entire lives, gone through the school system, um, but, but now are, are wanting to return to, that, uh, to, to their roots and to that first language. Yes, and all of the apprentices in our program are graduates of a two-year intensive Mohawk language program. Okay, and I also understand it's uh, invitation only to be part of, of this mentor-apprentice program as well. Yes, it was. We wanted to keep the numbers low. We wanted, we wanted it to be focused on our community. So that really narrows down um, the scope of people that we have 
um, that are that were capable to be involved in the program anyways. So it, it's not like we excluded a lot of people, but we just did want a very small group, which we ended up with five people in our program. So this program is running as we speak. It is. Okay, and, and where is this being facilitated right now? The program is um, being delivered here on, in, at our office. We're located in Tyndenega Mohawk Territory. Um, our, our office is located at 1658 York Road. We're at the lower, le lower level of our community library. The program right now is using our room. It's, it's really like a common area. We, we use it for community um, events, workshops, board meetings, that sort of thing. We are in the process of trying to secure another facility that is a small house, which would be the, the, the more ideal location for this program to run because um, in trying to raise their proficiency in the language and using it in context, it makes more sense that they're in a home environment to do that. Just to I get, get a clearer sense of the, the main goals here. I mean, we've, we've talked about how uh, you know, the, the importance of preserving uh, these languages. Um, but I also understand that uh, th there seems to be some, some growth here. There seems to be more um, individuals who are able to, to, to speak that first language now. Yes, there are more people in our community that are, are at varying levels of proficiency. And it really is more than preserving the language. I, I mean, when I think of that word, I think of, you know, keeping it as is, but but we really want it to grow. We want it to regenerate. We want it to re be revitalized. We want it to become a, um, a spoken language, a living language in our community. That's, that's what our goal is. So that means speaking it across generations, across um, not just in a school environment, but in our home environment, in business, commerce, everywhere, in every aspect of a community life. That's where we want to be able to hear our language being used and being spoken. Amazing. Well, thank you very much uh, for, for sharing more. Uh, now, if people want to learn more about the program, is there a place that they can access some more resources? There are a lot of resources on our website. We do have some um, audio Mohawk, Ganyun Geha. We have a lot of audio. We have audio books. So people are absolutely um, encouraged to go and look at our website. We also have another website that we that's geared towards um, children learning, and that's Jita. So it's T-S-I-T-H-A dot org. And that will take you to another one of our websites. Well, and you just brought up an interesting point about uh, audiobooks. And because often languages can be learned really effectively through narrative and through um you know, th through stories. Is, 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 is that a, a major aspect of this program? It is. Um, there's a lot of that in that the, the students, the adult students are, they're retelling. Basically, it is storytelling every day. They're coming in and they're, they're starting their day um, talking about what, what did you do last night, that, those types in that aspect of storytelling. So that really gets them, you know, using the using the language in a contextual way, um, and we do story. We use story, storytelling also with our in our other um, children's programs as a mode of teaching language. So it is very very effective. And is also uh, some of um, some of uh, in that uh, culture also taught in this program as well. 
it is, it is, it will be taught within the different modules that we are teaching. And that's really how the program runs. It's um, um, a number of different modules, um, sort of thematic modules, but also based on the interests of the, of the apprentices in the program. So that we're hitting language that they are going to be using even after the program is done. We want to make sure that it's fitting within their lifestyle. And some people are, are living a more traditional lifestyle and attending our ceremonies. And um, some of the young people in the program want to go a step further and learn the, the speeches and um, the, how to conduct the ceremonies as well. So that, that is a very yeah, important part. Makes sense because it's, it's one thing to teach the program, but it's another in terms of actually retaining what was learned through this program um, and carrying it forward. So I definitely, so I understand is also that, that practical application that's actually seen in the community. Yes, absolutely. We want, we want the community to be able to see and well, hear the language being spoken. I know that they've talked about, you know, going out to restaurants for lunch even and sitting down and just having their meal and, um, and being able to speak the language where people around them will be able to hear. So it'll just hopefully the snowball the whole, you know, effect of people knowing about what we're doing and becoming interested in it. Is there a sense also of maybe reclaiming one's identity, perhaps finding finding oneself in this process? I, I, I would say that as well. I, uh, the apprentices that we have in the program are very much grounded in who they are because they already come with um, at least two years in a, in a, a language program, a Mohawk language program. And that identity is very much in our language as well. And so they have a good grounding from that, their participation in a full-time program previously. And this will just um, certainly add to that. And how is this program being funded? The program is being funded through our band council here in um, Tyndanega Mohawk Territory, the Tyndanega Mohawk Council, um, through funds provided by Indigenous Services Canada. Excellent. And, and, and how long is the program itself? The program is to be a total of 30 weeks. And so we started mid-April and then we're running until, I believe, the first week of May. So that would be, wow, close to a year. Yeah, 30 weeks. Okay, I guess just with, with some breaks in between, that would yes. work out to uh, a year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, well, again, thank you very much uh, for joining me to share some information on this program. And uh, take care. All the best. Thank Great. you. Thank you for your interest. That was my conversation with Callie Hill from Junit Ongawana. This is Kareem Mosna. You're listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. Now, we speak with Tara Williamson, the National Race Director of the Secret 3K. The Secret 3K is a global walk and run event. We'll learn more about it and its connection to the film The Secret Marathon, which was screened last Tuesday here in Kingston. The film focuses on the first woman in Afghanistan to run a marathon. We talk about what freedom means, the ability to run free here in this conversation with Tara on Citizen K. Definitely an inspirational story. The first woman in Afghanistan to run a marathon. Um, just 
give us a little bit of context for some people who have not yet seen the film in terms of um, how significant this really is. Well, I will say, watching the film today was a completely different experience than watching it the first time I did in 2020, um, since the Taliban takeover. Um, so, you know, more now more than ever, it's so important that we realize the, uh, the struggles that Afghanistan women are facing. Yeah, well, I mean, this it certainly, I think, is eye-opening for us here in North America to see that um, there still is, you know, the, the, the women still don't have their freedom in parts of the world. Yeah, and here in Canada as well. You know, it's all over the news, women who get killed just for running outside. So it's it's uh, something that is terrible. And, you know, the Secret 3K race tries to provide a safe space that's accessible um, and promotes equality. When we, when we look back, uh, look at, at this marathon, you know, and, and it, it it's so symbolic right that symbolism of freedom that we kept hearing about in this movie um what what does freedom mean in this in this broader context oh that's a difficult question uh i think it means something different for everybody right obviously the the meaning of running free is completely different for me as a white woman in canada than it would be for you know zanab in afghanistan so it really it's really different from person to person, depending on your race or gender or where you live. Let's just touch a little bit on the Canadian angle. I understand that um, this individual that we see in the film, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, basically who had that, that, that brain, um, I'm not sure exactly the condition, the brain clot, brain clot, um, but really he used that to, you know, to inspire uh, women to run that marathon despite that limitation. Um, any just any comments on that aspect of what was covered today? Well, imagine if he lived in Afghanistan, he'd probably be dead. Yeah. So I mean, he's inspired by um, those women, and uh, you know, it's it's inspiration all around, right? Like he is so grateful that he lives in Canada and can get the health care that he needed. Um, so that's inspirational as well. Like it's just everybody's just inspiring everybody. But yeah, it's it's incredible to think that he if he lived somewhere else, he may not be alive today. And uh, the Secret Three K marathons now happen on International Women's Day all over the world. It happens on International Women's Week. Oh, thank you so, for that correction. Yeah, so yeah. it happens the Wednesday of International Women's Week, mm-hmm. always. But this year it happens to fall on International Women's Day. Ah, so this mm-hmm. this year it happens to be on that same. So tell me a little bit about the Secret 3K in terms of um, how people could be involved in it or be or, or just simply be, be more aware of it. Sure. So we, it's a global run-walk event. You can participate from anywhere in the world. Um, we definitely have a virtual component. And then we have in-person marquee locations across Canada. Kingston is one of them. Kingston is actually one of the most attended marquee locations. Um, so you can register online at thesecret3k.com. Um, and we're also always looking for volunteers to join our organization. We're growing, so there's always opportunities to be part of the organization. Okay, and bringing it back to your organization, uh, what is some of the, the work that your organization does? Sure. So we uh, 
raise funds for various charities. Um, our charity partners this year um, are uh, Women for Women in Afghanistan, the Afghan Sports Trust, which is the same organization that puts on the Marathon of Afghanistan. Obviously, that's on hold right now, uh, but they do other um, things related to promoting equity and sport for Afghan people. Um, and 261 Fearless, uh, that is um, an organization that is a global organization, and they just opened their first chapter in Canada. And I understand that a lot of money has been raised uh, for these organizations Tell me a little, a little bit about how that money has been raised and how it is benefiting uh, these organizations. Sure. So, I mean, I'll tell you a, an interesting way. Uh, in 2020, we raised a lot of funds for the Afghan Sports Trust, and that money was supposed to go to purchasing a time clock for the marathon of Afghanistan. But when the Taliban took over, that obviously was not a priority anymore. So they pivoted with our permission and spent the money um, in several ways. One was when uh, a lot of people who were involved in the Secret Marathon film fled to Canada. Um, we helped them pay for things like sports uh, clubs, like being part of them, so they could integrate into Canada more easily. Um, they also used some of that money to rebuild a soccer field in Afghanistan that got bombed. So that's one of the ways that the money helps. Wow, so just really helping people to integrate into Canada and to also benefit um, Afghanistan at the same time. So it's kind of, it, it works both ways. Yeah, we're really aware that we want to raise money on a global level, but as well as on a local level. We work really closely also with Girl Guides um, of Canada and in all of our different marquee locations. So, you know, we... Um, Two years ago, they were our charity partner, but now they have come on as volunteers with the organization. So, yeah, we really want to have an impact globally as well as at the local level. Okay. Excellent. Well, any other details you want to share about the Secret 3K? Uh, just that I think that 2023 will be our biggest uh, event ever. So we hope that you know Kingston comes out in full force and registers. Excellent. And for those that want to see uh, this film, The Secret Marathon, where can people uh, see this film? Sure. So you can actually see it um, from right from the Secret Marathon website. So you can go there and click through and you'll be able to see the film. Perfect. Okay. Thanks very much once again, Tara, for uh, your input today. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Tara Williamson, National Race Director with The Secret 3K. My name's Kareem Mosner. You're listening to Citizen K on CFRC. Now, despite all our differences, there's one thing for sure that we all depend on, and that's water. Now, a new exhibit at the Heart Center, Connecting Canadians Fresh Water, is set to officially open this Friday, showcasing the work of neurodiverse artists across Canada. To learn more about this, I spoke with Marketing and Communications Manager with the Heart Center, Tracy Ryan. Okay, Tracy, so we're here to talk about uh, this national visual art exhibit, Connecting Canadians Fresh Water. Now, I understand that this exhibit showcases original work from inclusive art studios and allied organizations. What I'd like to know is a bit of background on how an inclusive art studio would support uh, these neurodiverse artists. So a number of inclusive arts organizations from Canada have contributed uh, canvases to the exhibit. So each of them 
uh, it's sort of a network of inclusive groups that we have started to work with over the past few years. And uh, basically we supplied them with information about a partnership with the Marine Museum of the Great Lakes at Kingston um, that we had uh, developed with the museum to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement between Canada and the United States. So we reached out to this network of inclusive arts groups and we asked them to reflect on their own relationship with fresh water and to create art that reflected that theme. So it all stems back to this 50th anniversary of the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement and the partnership with the Marine Museum. Yeah, it, it started there. So basically, Heart Center, when we were returning from the pandemic and trying to um, re-engage our artists with developmental disabilities in the arts, we really started thinking about, you know, what is important. We were sort of um, connecting our, um, to each other again, but we also wanted to connect to a collective purpose. So we really started to look at that theme of purpose. And it was at that time that the Marine Museum um, contacted us and told us about this 50th anniversary. And we, we kind of brainstormed about how could we help with this collective purpose of commemorating fresh water, making Canadians realize uh, the importance and value of fresh water as a resource, a shared resource. And it, it kind of developed from there. Let's talk a little bit about the mix. I understand this is a new uh, community outreach and gallery space. Uh, tell me about the mix. Yeah, so the mix, we were really lucky in a way to have a space open next to Heart Center, just adjacent to Heart Center that we were able to expand into in um, the end of last year. And we really just sort of launched at the beginning of this year. So it's a 4,000 square foot um, outreach and gallery. Like you said, it's got a 50 foot gallery wall, which, and this is gonna be the first exhibit that we show there. But really what we're using it for is we've, you know, some of our heart studio activities have expanded in there, but we've also um, welcomed other inclusive arts groups to, have residencies there to do rehearsal, to be trained there in inclusive arts. And uh, it's something that we're gonna be developing over the next few years, but it's really an outreach space where other inclusive artists can offer workshops to the public or they can um, train in inclusive arts or they can just develop and connect with other inclusive arts groups. So we sort of see it as um, a place that can accelerate inclusive arts in Kingston and the region. And inclusive arts goes beyond uh, just the visual as well, from what I'm gathering uh, in this exhibit as well. Yeah, well, at Heart Center, we do include um, dance, music, theater, uh, uh, textile arts, we, whatever, you know, if we have community artists who are interested in doing something with the community, we're really interested in hearing from them and we'll branch out into different mediums. And uh, of course, also with in mind, perhaps some of the barriers that some um, some some might face in in creating art as well. Yeah, well, you know, over the 25 years that Heart Center has been in Kingston, we've developed our own approach about how to uh, make the arts very accessible and inclusive. And um, we did develop our own award-winning training program called Mixabilities, and we do offer that a couple times of year of the couple times a year to community artists who want to know more about how to make the arts inclusive to many different people.
And I understand as well, there is going to be a large scale uh, installation. Uh, tell me a bit about, uh, about this installation uh, at 55 Ontario Street. Yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. So that's part of this uh, multi-project partnership that we had with the Marine Museum. So they really, uh, we're really excited that they offered some workshops on the Great Lakes throughout the summer, both to heart studio artists and to the public. So they were offering weekly workshops. And during some of those, the community created artwork, which has contributed to this large scale installation, which they're launching on the same weekend that we're doing um, the private opening of, of uh, Connecting Canadians. So it, it's all sort of coming together. So we're excited about it. Amazing. Okay, so uh, launching Friday, uh, October 28th. Yes, October 28th and running, and this is going to be open for public tours every Friday, starting the 28th, uh, running through to December 2nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, is, is, is there a cost for this? How, how, how do people come in and view this, uh, this very exciting exhibit? So um, Connecting Canadians, uh, Freshwater, yeah, it'll be open every Friday until December 2nd. They can uh, register for their private or their public tour on uh, through Eventbrite. You can find the link on our website. So um, it's heartstudio.ca events and you can find the link there and it'll link you right to Eventbrite. You can choose which hour you want to come in um, to view the exhibit and the Marine Museum as well uh, through their website uh, www.marmuseum.ca uh, I believe it is. You can learn more about the installation and when that's open. Perfect. And uh, perhaps just a little bit of a, um, if you can give perhaps a little bit of a glimpse in terms of what people will see when they come to see this exhibit. So you're going to see over 50 canvases or sculptures created by inclusive arts groups across Canada, including Cool Arts, Alternative Creation Studio, the Nina Haggerty Center for the Arts, um, National Access Arts Centre, Reach Centre, Creating Alternatives, Large Toronto Soul Express, New Leaf Link, which is a group in Harrowsmith, Ontario, so people, you might know some of the artists there, um, Being Studio in Ottawa and The Space, so um, yeah, you'll just have to check it out. There will be textile art as well. Everything is for sale, so if you are a collector of inclusive arts, it's a place to check out. Canvases, sculptures, textile arts, all of it, it will be at this exhibit. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Okay, Tracy, well, thank you very much uh, for telling me all about it today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. That was my conversation with Tracy Ryan of the Heart Center. Looking forward to checking out the entire exhibit, Connecting Canadians Fresh Water. Had the pleasure of uh, seeing the large-scale diorama project at the Marine Museum this past Sunday. Also highly encourage you to make some time and then go and see that as well. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna. <laughs>